Before I get to my next guest, Charlie Reimer, let me remind you about a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two Under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these two underperformance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shield sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R dot com. Two under performance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA licensed briefs. I also want to welcome a new sponsor to the show, Pine Valley Orthotics and their owner, Stu Sakowitz. Did your feet, back, knees, and hips stop you from playing good golf or golf at all? Maybe plantar fasciitis or neuropathy is killing your golf game? Then you owe it to yourself to try a pair of Pine Valley Orthotics with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Pine Valley Orthotics are uniquely designed with an energy return system not found in any other product. When you step down, they gently spring back, relieving foot pain and stress, energizing your whole body, and they work. I love my Pine Valley Orthotics. I've got them in my golf shoes, and I've got them in my dress shoes. In fact, Stu Sakowitz, the owner, is so sure that they're going to ease your pain, he's offering a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you want better balance and stability, treat yourself to a pair of Pine Valley Orthotics today. Go to PineValleyOrthotics.com and for a limited time, you can get these for only $99 and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's only $99. Ease your pain, improve your game, and change your life. Only at PineValleyOrthotics.com. All right, now back with me is Charlie Reimer. You all know Charlie from the wonderful job he did for years on the Golf Channel. He's from Cleveland, Tennessee, which is just a little northeast of Chattanooga. Charlie won the U.S. Junior Amateur Championship in 1985 at Brookfield Country Club in New York in a playoff over Gregory Lesher. Played his college golf at Georgia Tech, where he was a two-time All-American. He was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2000. Charlie turned pro and joined the Corn Ferry Tour in 1994. Got a big win that year in his home state at the Nike South Carolina Open. He finished second the following week at the Central Georgia Open. Charlie's best finish on tour came in 1995 at the Shell Houston Open when he finished third behind Payne Stewart, who won that tournament in a playoff over Scott Hoke. We've gotten to know Charlie as a broadcaster first during his time at ESPN in the late 90s and then at the Golf Channel starting in 2008 when he co-hosted The Morning Drive. He now hosts the Charlie Reimer Golf Show, which is great fun to watch, and I'm very excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Charlie, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, my pleasure, Chris. I appreciate you having me. <clears throat> Listening to you and Nick got me all fired up about this Squares golf shoe thing. And, and I just went online, and this is a story of my life. I'm a size 15, and all the cool stuff, they don't make it in a size 15. I feel uh, uh, like <laughs> I can't ever get anything big enough to fit me, right? Like the cool hats from a size 8. You know, they, oh, sorry, we got one size fits all. Well, one size fit all don't fit Charlie. I hope the folks at Squares are listening. And I, I'd love to try this shoe, but you got to come up with something 
that, that, that a big old boy like me will wear. You got to come up with some size 15 <laughs> shoes for us big boys to try out. I'll see what I can do for you, Charlie. I'll see if I can get yeah. in touch with those guys and see if we can get a, a size 15 somewhere for you. They they look cool. Have they helped your game out? They really have. I got to be honest with you, Charlie. I was as, as skeptical as anybody, and I actually uh, went after them. They didn't come to me uh, wanting to be a sponsor of the show. I went to them because I, t- yeah. I took a look at the shoes and tried them out, and they're the real deal. As you know, as uh, it, it Nick really, talked it, about it stability, really they they yeah. certainly did a yeah. lot for mine. Yeah, it does make sense. But I, I'll tell you what, it really has shoes of something that, that a lot of people don't think about. And and uh, back when I used to play this game for a living, as a you know, on your feet a lot, and something I really struggle with ha- having a big foot. And the other thing is, is like trying to find a sock that's the right size. This whole world, whoever came up with one size fits all. Is the same person that came up with a shuttle bus to the rental car company. Uh, it's the worst. That's the two worst things ever. One size don't fit all, and don't make me get on a shuttle bus to go get my car. So uh, anyway, that's my my uh, preaching for the night. So uh, <laughs> it makes me grumpy. All this cool stuff out there, and I can't fit in it. Charlie, when I started doing this show eight years ago, my very first guests on that first episode were Gary Player and Billy Casper which was a huge blessing, but it also comes with a lot of pressure, right? Because there's nowhere to go after that but down. I know you've done several shows, and I believe on the Charlie Reimer Golf Show, your very first guest last year was Jack Nicklaus. Tough to go anywhere from there. What was it like spending time with him? Well, um, Mr. Nicklaus, every time I have a chance to spend some time with him or interview him, it's always a special time. I, I've known him since I was about 17 years old, and and uh, he and my great uncle had a, a wonderful relationship. It was a business relationship. They were also friends as well, and, and uh, Mr. Nicholas helped me decide where I was going to go to school and has helped me quite a few times in my career, and, and um which uh, he's also my hero, and and uh, I I was there in, in '86 uh, when 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 he won uh, his last major, the Masters, and and uh, I can tell you where I was standing, and every shot he hit, I picked him up at number 11, and it was just just an amazing day. And I had just played golf with him a few months before that, so um, it's it's always special when you get a chance to spend some time with him, but. We, we were in the middle of the pandemic and I, and I wanted to get some programming and, and, uh, so, so I, I reached out to, uh, Scott Tolley, who, who does most of Mr. Nicholas's PR and other things for him. And, and uh, he's like, well, he's really busy. And I said, well, just ask him. So he, 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 uh, Scott asked Mr. Nicholas and he goes, yeah, I'll do something for Charlie. And I told Scott, I said, see, I told you he'd let me, <laughs> he'd come on and do an interview for me. And, and so I just really had a couple of questions. I wanted to wanted him to tell the story of, of that Sunday in 1986 at Augusta, which which I think is the greatest day in in golf, and and certainly is for me, somebody my age. And and, and uh, so so it was really really super neat, and and we released it digitally, and and uh, uh, it 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 really was a lot of fun, and and uh, the the show has grown quite a bit from there, and and uh, we're now on CBS Sports Network on, on Monday nights. And uh, so been been fortunate to have a lot of really cool guests on, on uh, the Charlie Romer Golf Show. And and uh, we've got 16 episodes in season one. Eight of them have already run, and they've been doing some 
three runs, and, and our next batch of shows starts um, August 30th. Uh, that's uh, Monday night. We're always on Monday night. We've been airing at 8 p.m. on CBS Sports, and now they moved us to uh, to 8 p.m. And uh, you mentioned Gary Player. Uh, Gary Player came through Myrtle Beach, and we and we tape all of our shows here in the Myrtle Beach area. And and I've, I've been ambassador of uh, for golf here at Myrtle Beach for for several years now, and and that's that's been an amazing experience. But getting to take the shows here uh, re- really make it special for me. And and uh, uh, this show on August 30th is my favorite. Um, I actually spent three days with Gary Player, and he's 85 years old. I'm 53 years old, and he absolutely wore me out. <laughs> he just got <laughs> so much energy, and he's so positive, and. And, uh, it's just, he loves talking to people and I'm like, Mr. Player, we got to get over here to do this. He's like, Oh, we'll get over there in a minute. I'm like, you know, he'll jump out and give a golf lesson. And, and uh, it, it really was super neat. And, and I can't wait for, for folks to see that show, um, on, uh, again, on August 30th on CBS Sports Network, the, the Charlie Reimer show and, and, uh, got, got Mr. Player talking about some interesting things, you know, talking, a lot of birdies and a lot of bogeys. And, and, uh, so it, it was a good interview. I think folks are going to enjoy it. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up and, and, uh, the second half of our season, um, spend some time with Joe Namath. I'd never met Joe Namath. What an unbelievable interview he is. And, and, uh, uh, Jerry Rice as well. Sir Nick Faldo got, got him teared up a little bit. I can't wait for folks to see that. So uh, re- wow. really excited about, about the show. It's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. That's a good tease, isn't it, Chris? So, uh, yes, it uh, is. but, um, yeah, so shows a little bit different. Uh, they let me sort of do it my way, which was scary. And when we started taping, I'm like, holy cow, they let me do it this way. Um, so it's, it's sort of like, uh, you make a big pot of chili for 20 people coming over the house and you love it. And then you get to worry when everybody's coming over, did I make it a little spicy? Is it not spicy enough? I don't know. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to, Hard to get feedback on exactly what people think, but nobody yells at me very much about it, so I, I take that as a good thing. So, Charlie, Jack Nicholas is, you know, between he and Mr. Player are my idols, and the mm-hmm. 86 Masters to me is uh, the end for, for the, the greatest golf tournament ever. I'm sitting here with my Jack Nicholas t-shirt on and my Gary Player hat on. <laughs> so, there you go. You being on the ground, that's got to be the greatest thing ever. I mean, what was it like? You picked him up at 11. We know he makes the birdie at 11, the bogey at 12, sort of the groan. But uh, yeah. as, as he said to you, and he said forever, that might have been the best thing that happened to him. What was it like being on the ground as that unfolded? Well, so so I was uh, at 86. I would have been um, just turned 18. And, and uh, I had been going to the Masters since I was about six or seven. And, uh, I, cause I, I grew up actually in South Carolina, just about, oh, two and a half, three hours away from Augusta up, up near, uh, Charlotte, a little town called Fort Mill, South Carolina. It used to be a little town. Now it's grown, grown considerably. And so every year on Sunday, my dad would get tickets and I'd get to go with some of his friends and customers. Most of the time, not with him because he, he was doing a lot of hospitality. He was in sales. And so, uh, he was there the whole week de- dealing with customers, but all the customers were a little worn out um, by uh, Sunday. So that's how I always got a ticket. And then some of his buddies would bring me down. And and um, so it it always been a special place to me. And, and I was a kid that grew up at a little golf course called Tiga K and then later another golf course called Fort Mill, both in South Carolina. I was a kid that 
you know, worked in the bag room for a dollar an hour and would fill in on Saturday morning when somebody wouldn't show up. And then later on got to be a little bit better player and we'd have some gambling matches and people would come out and watch a little bit, which, which was always fun. In fact, in fact, the first time I, I broke, uh, 70, I shot 68 playing a little gambling match. My dad and I were partners and we were playing a man who was legally blind. And the local bookie who uh, only had eight and a half fingers and some folks came out and watched and my dad got really mad at me in the parking lot because we lost like $450 and started yelling at me. <laughs> he told me I was going to have to practice harder. I said, I said, dad, I'm 13 years old. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I shot 68 today. Again, I'm 13 years old. I've never broken 70 before. That's the best round of golf I've ever had in my life. And you're yelling at me because we lost money. Tell me I need to practice more. Don't you think it'd make more sense if you figured out how to bet a little bit better? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so th- those are the, you know, there's just so many characters around. And, and the characters there at, at TKK, those would be the, the folks that would bring me down on Sundays. And and uh, so I, I knew it was a special place. And, and it was a different time. You, you couldn't. You know, now you've got Golf Channel, you've got Google, you, you can learn everything you want about any player in about five minutes or watch programming on them and that sort of stuff. But uh, I'm 53, so when I was you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, you, you, I mean, you, you could just, hearing about Ben Hogan or Jack Nicklaus, it wasn't anything you could see, it was just like the people would talk about it, you know, and and. And and so getting to go and watch them actually play was really, you know, super special. And then now all of a sudden I'm on the grounds watching Jack Nicholas do something really special. Plus I have this now I have a relationship with him because he, he had helped me out with some with some things and, and it, it was um just surreal uh thinking about it and, and the the shot I mean the shot that he played into fifteen, I was standing uh Whole, uh, or not whole high, but I was standing just a little bit in front of where he was down the fairways where all the trees were around. We had the big mounds up the right hand side and you walked down there, watch him hit the putt. And I went, went to 16 and, and I stood right at the back of the green underneath the camera position, the received shot. And, and I remember watching the ball launch and looking down at him and, and, and watching him pick up the tee. You know, I couldn't hear any audio from where I was. And, and, um, that, that made a lot of sense to me that he wasn't watching the ball because when I'd played golf with him a few months before, he told me that he couldn't see the ball after a hundred yards. Uh, he had no idea where it was, but he knew that one was going to be close to the hole. But watch that ball land in that back level location at 16. And then from my point of view, you know, look like it's going in the hole just a couple inches short and then spin back and the, and the, the patrons just roaring, that, you know, at, at, that age, that that was the, you know, I'm I'm I, again, I've just turned 18. I haven't not even a freshman in college yet. And, and to be just to be there and feel that, I mean, see it and hear it, one thing, but feel it is, is something completely different. And that's just a, a day, and in particular, a moment that I'll never forget. And I, you know, I just feel blessed that I was was able to be there. Charlie, you mentioned all the interviews that you've had an opportunity to do, to do and I'm sure you've done thousands of them. But one of the ones that I just watched uh, a couple of days ago that I really enjoyed is a guy that you worked with and played golf with and has been uh, a guest on this show as well, and that's Damon Hack. Um, 
as yeah. classy and as good a person as you'll ever meet. Talk about your time with Damon. Oh, I just I hope he's I hope he doesn't hear this, but I just I just love Damon. He's he he's uh um and I don't mean this I mean he's a sweetheart. Um and and but but I mean he's a uh very accomplished sweetheart. And and he I mean his his background um is 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 amazing. And and uh he he's uh uh, let's see, he is a UCLA, I believe UCLA grad, and I know he's got his master's in journalism, Cal Berkeley. Um, he wrote for, uh, Sacramento Bee, and then he went to New York, and right for the New York Times, he wrote for Sports Illustrated. Uh, ended up, um, I, I think probably somewhere between 20 and 30 cover stories for SI, um, and ended up at Golf Channel, and, and I just, yeah, you know, as soon as I met him, I'm like, me and you're gonna be buddies. And and uh just just very accomplished, uh, but yet very humble as well, which is is a rare combination in and in the world that, that uh that we operate in. And and he loves golf as much as anybody I've ever seen, and he's horrible at it. But that doesn't deter his love. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like incredibly optimistic. And, and it's like, this is a day. He told me big timer. He calls you a big timer. This is the day. I'm going to break 80 today. I'm like, damn, you've been at it for a long time. I hope it does happen today, but there ain't no way in hell it's going to happen. <laughs> and and uh, he's one of these guys that. If, if he wasn't so intelligent, he probably would have broken 80 because every time he does an interview or gets a lesson or somebody on the street talks to him, he'll actually give a shot at, 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 uh, and try what they tell him. And so that's, that's just made him, you know, where he's just got too many things going through his mind and he, need, he needs to hit the reset button and go back to, 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 uh, square one. But high, with highly intelligent people, that, that's, really hard to forget and and that's that's uh what's going to keep him from ever breaking 80 but i hope he does do it one of these days but he ain't going to do it (laughs) but he thinks he's going to charlie that was one of the questions i i wanted to ask you is you've talked to just about i'm sure every top instructor on the planet over the course of of your career how do you not let all of their, you know, because everybody teaches a little bit different. They got a little different philosophy and all that sort of stuff. When they're going through and giving tips and instruction and you're sitting there, how do you block that out from the next time you're going to go play? Like, wait a minute, that guy said that I'm supposed to, you're supposed to do this. And my hand's got to be there and I got to do this other thing. I don't do that thing. You know, how do you not let that influence your golf? Well, it's, it's, it's definitely tough, and, and I would say that it has influenced my game over the years. My game wasn't very good uh, when, when I got into golf media. Um, it wasn't like I was making millions playing the PGA Tour uh, when, when I had a chance to, to jump over and start talking about it. In fact, I think I'd missed about 27 consecutive cuts and was about busted. So uh, what I was trying wasn't working very well. But uh, and, and gosh, right at 25 years in, in this business, I, I have uh, – Talked uh, from the very the very top, whether it's on air or off air. Butch Harmon is a, is a teacher that I hold in, in in the highest esteem, and I've spent some time with Butch. Uh, spent a lot of time with with uh, with the late Jim Flick, and and uh, who, who's just a, he was an amazing man, and and um, you know from, from Sean Foley 
Uh, maybe not as familiar now with, with some of the younger teachers because I've been away from Golf Channel for a few years where I would have a lot of these young teachers come in on the show. But it, it, it's interesting to me, uh, and Nick Bradley's amazing, and it's interesting to me that there's the business of teaching golf. There's there's a lot of great people. I don't think anybody tries to mess anybody up. But we we tend to celebrate when a player changes coaches and they have some success. That happens a lot less than when a player changes coaches and you never hear from them again. And, and they end up with another coach and another coach and another coach. And, and so instruction, um, it, it's a tough thing on any given day on the PGA tour. You, you've got young teachers trying to make a name for themselves that have big words, big technology, and they're trying to find a young player that they can. Uh, work with and help them succeed and make a name for themselves along the way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you, you've got other teachers that are out there that are looking for the players that are lost and confused and are trying to get them to forget everything that they've ever learned and go out and play the so-called caveman golf. So for, for every, you know, Bubba Watson, there's, there's a Justin Rose. That's the two ends of the spectrum. And, and, it, it's uh, um, teaching is a tough thing. I, I've had back-to-back days doing live shows where I would have uh, Dave Stockton come in. Um, uh, Dave Stockton Jr. and I played a lot of golf together g- growing up, and and uh, Mr. Stockton was around quite a bit. And I absolutely love him. Man. Great players, won two PGA championships. And let's take the back of the left hand down the line with a putter. And Jack Nicklaus is his guy. And and Dave, right now, he can take anybody you can think of out the range or the putting grade. And if you want to putt for ten thousand dollars a hole, he's going to take all their money. And and you hear him describe how to putt. And, okay, yeah, got it. You know, and you're fired up. Well, the next day you have Brad Faxon come in, and he's like, "Well, the last thing you want to do is take the back of your left hand down the line. You want to release the putter. Tiger Woods is my guy." And Brad Faxon can take anybody you can think of out on the green for ten thousand dollars a hole. And, and take all their money. And he, you're going to say Jack Nicholas does it wrong. Are you going to say Tiger Woods does it wrong? They're polar opposite ways. And, and so it's every aspect of the game from, from driving the ball to bunker play to everything. It, it, there's just different ways to do it. And, and there's teachers that are adamant and they've got all of these facts now and all this technology to measure everything and the psychology and the, uh, it, there's so much stuff going on that my conclusion is this. The very best players in the world believe so intensely in what they're doing that even if they believe in something that is not a very good method for them, that belief is stronger than actually having a, a, a method that's that that's perfect for them. And and that that's what I find that great players have in common is this irrational belief in themselves. And as long as they don't let anybody in, they're good to go. The problems start when they start allowing players and caddies and coaches and all these other folks to come in and break that sort of that trance that they're in. And, and, um, it, it's, it's just a crazy thing. I mean, how many times have you seen someone come out and I'll just, I'm not picking on him because I think he's wonderful, but Luke Donald, not a very long hitter, worked his way at number one in the world, got to number one. Rather than continuing to work the formula that got him to number one in the world, 
kept pushing, trying to correct some things that he thought were flaws. And his case was trying to pick up some distance. And I haven't looked lately, but I bet Luke Donald's not in the top 150 in the world. And and if he had just continued doing what he was doing and not let anybody in or not really gone out and sought more information, he might not still be number one in the world, but he wouldn't be where he is now. And and so it, it's it's just a it's a tricky, finicky, weird thing golf is. And as soon as your mind gets a little bit off track, it it it's hard to get it back where it was. It's like if you ever had a brand new car that you love and you got a kid and you let them. Um, have a bunch of ketchup in the back seat on their French fries and they <laughs> spill it all over the upholstery. That car is never going to smell the same again. And, and a lot of times golfers, <laughs> when they let teachers or coaches or caddies inside, their brain is never going to function the way it did again. It's permanently stained. And, and it's, it's just interesting for me to observe that. But that's my conclusion. Believe in what you're doing. That belief is more important than whether it's actually factually correct or not. Did Tiger fall victim to that same thing? You know, if he hadn't uh, tried to have been thinking around, I mean, my goodness, you you can't win the U.S. Open by many more strokes. But then you know, he starts thinking around, and the next thing you know. Right and you know what, Chris, that's, that's a great question. But some some players, I'm not going to give his name, but I had a player and a coach come in to do a show. And and I asked him, you know, well, how, how do you hit a cut? And he's like, I don't know. Ask my coach. Well, I can tell you for a fact that Tiger Woods, uh, whether whether he was working with Butch or whether he was working Hank or whether he was working with Chris Como or this, this latest run where he didn't work with anybody, he might have got some eyeballs on what he's doing, but he never turned over the key. <laughs> he was He was the one making all of the calls. And and so it's almost like for him a teacher was a tool, and and um, but he he never he never gave up the idea that that was still all about him all the time, and 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 sometimes when these players they 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 turn themselves over to a coach or a coaching team, that's that's for me that's very cringeworthy. I, I was recently up speaking at. Uh, the Western Golf Association women or uh, women's amateur uh, at a great club in Chicago, Park Ridge, and a lot, a lot of great players there. They're gonna have good college careers, and, and I'm sure quite a few of them are gonna get to the LPGA. And my message to to those players, and and really anytime I speak to younger players, is take ownership of your game. It's your damn game. It's not anybody else's game. You got to take ownership of it. And, and I, I, and I, it just, maybe, maybe it dates me a little bit, but I, I just, I, I've never seen, I've never seen a teacher hit a shot. I've never seen a caddy hit a shot. The player is the one that's hitting the shot and, and they can get information from other places, but they're the ones that are executing the shot. And it's a team to some extent, but not as, as, as not, not to an extent that I think a lot of members of the media would want people to know. Charlie, you've interviewed not just the greatest players in the game of golf, but other athletes as well. And you've had them out on golf courses and you played and, and chatted with them. Who's the most intense person that you've ever sat down and chatted with? Ooh, the most intense. Uh, I had a really bad interview with Kevin Costner one time. 
and and uh, I think maybe I caught him on a bad day. Um, he, he was pretty intense. Uh, uh, Bill Murray can be – hasn't been with me, but Bill Murray can be a tough interview. He, he can be uh, definitely you know, super intense. But um, I, I most of the time, if, if given a chance when I'm interviewing somebody, it, it, I, I will – do it's a little more difficult when it's a, when it's a live interview, but I, I want people in in a relaxed sort of uh, place, and so in a pre-interview, I, I'll mess with them a little bit, and and uh, just to, to to sort of get them to smile a little bit, and and because I want them to enjoy the interview, I'm I'm not trying to do anything that's going to change the world, and I and I think by and large, when you're interviewing somebody, especially if I'm interviewing them. It's going to be a little bit on the lighter side. I mean, if I have to, I can get into, you know, the, the tougher subjects, but that's not really my default, my go-to. I, I want someone, I want their expertise. I want their personality to come through. And I've found that, that if it's in a relaxed state, they'll do it. Um, I, I'll give you an example. One year, it had probably been, gosh, I don't know, uh, 99, 2000, Jack Nicholas was playing his tournament at the Memorial in Muirfield, and, and he had really nice round on Friday, and he made the cut. It's probably the last time he made the cut. You know, I was doing some work for USA Network, and and I went to interview him live, and it was late in the day. And, um, you know, he's my hero, but he's not very tall, especially when, when he's standing next to me. And he was pretty – he can be pretty intense. And and uh, something had him riled up, and I was trying to calm him down a little bit. So I intentionally, we we're on a little bit of a slope. I intentionally stood above him, you know. So I'm a I'm a good like 18 inches taller, looking down at him. And we we're about 30 seconds of interview, and I can't repeat what he told me. You can guess, but um, I'm like, hey, Mr. Nicholas, we're about to go on air. Uh, maybe we should change positions here, you know. And he looked straight up at me. And, <laughs> You know, I get there, you know, <laughs> and then we changed and he looked at me. We were close to eye level. And then the interview went and it was great. You know, it was just three questions, a post round, but, but it, was, it was great. But if I had sort of let him below me and he's looking up at me, not, number one, it wouldn't have looked very good. But but I just took the opportunity to sort of loosen things up a little bit. And I, and I think I got a little more than I would have gotten normally. And and. uh uh, but the it, it, intensity part of it, um, and some, sometimes if you get somebody in a winner's interview, they're you know they're they're emotional, they're intense. My issue is I'm I I I can sort of get sucked into emotion a little bit. Uh, my, my several times when I would um, do the the interviews after a a young golfer uh, had won their age division and the drive chip and putt on 18 green at Augusta National, some of the answers I got. Just, just absolutely made me tear up, and and uh, I'm, I positioned myself to where I didn't have a camera look looking right, you know, right at me because that wouldn't have been good. But um, it, it's uh, sometimes, you know, it's it's uh, sports is emotional, and and we all get caught up in it, and especially if you know how hard it is to actually win, and how much work has gone into it, how many. Down days there were, down times there were for a lot of these players that, that break through. And if you know all of that, and I, I'm a little empathetic anyway, and get caught up in it, I get a little bit of emotional, uh, a little bit of emotion going. And 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 at times I've been criticized for it. Uh, when Tiger Woods uh, did his press conference the first time he spoke to the world after uh, the fire hydrant incident, and he went went up to. Uh, 
to uh, PGA Tour headquarters and, and had a mea culpa right there with everybody in the world watching and his mom. And uh, right right after they took the camera off him, they went back to their Golf Channel studio in Orlando and put a camera on me. I was emotional. And, and I had a lot of people say, oh, it's ridiculous. You're crying for for the uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Tiger Woods. He ruined himself, this, that, and the other. But I, that's not what I saw. And, and when, when he had that mea culpa and, um, and, and I had a lot of people privately and offline come up to me and say, you know what? I was a little emotional over that as well. So, um, it, it's hard to stay neutral. Sometimes it's hard to, to keep your emotion in check, even though you're supposed to, when you feel like you're right in there and you're feeling everything and it's your job to get in an interview, it, it's something you got to be aware of and, and keep in check. And for me, it's, it's been a challenge at times. Charlie, just a couple more before I let you go. Um, I know you're involved with one of my sponsors, the Macklemore Club, up in Rising Fawn, Georgia, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Talk about the course and what brought you to Macklemore. Well, um, so I, I split my time. I'm in Myrtle Beach quite a bit as an ambassador for golf down here, having grown up in South Carolina. Uh, and, and I love coming to Myrtle Beach and representing the golf courses down here. But at the same time, I was born in the Chattanooga area. And and all my family uh, li- lives there in the area, and uh, I've been fortunate to be a member of a great club there, Chattanooga, for many, many years, and, and that's sort of always been my getaway place. And and, um, and and when I was a kid, a lot of times in the summer and all the holidays and all of that, there's a lot of rhymers in the phone book in the Chattanooga area, believe me. And, and uh, so a project uh, that had actually struggled for a while, it was on Lookout Mountain, it was originally called uh, – uh, Canyon Ridge, uh, just really couldn't quite get over the hump. And, and, and a great group of folks up there that, that grew up in the area, uh, decided that, uh, we, we think it's one of the best areas in the whole country. And, and they invested in it and they took the original golf course and, and had Bill Bergen and, and Reese Jones redesign it. And as you know, because you've seen it, they've really turned it into something special. It's it's a, just a wonderful golf course. And um, the 18th hole is, is a hole that people talk about because on certain days you're actually playing above the clouds there. And the, and the, the only problem with the 18th hole is, is um, it gets all the attention, but we've got another 17 that, that are really very good as well. And we've, we've got enough altitude there. We're at about 2,400 feet. Where, uh, we, we can keep bent grass and, and on our greens and they're firm and they're fast all year round. They don't get stressed out by the heat. And, and it, it's just an amazing place. Uh, new, new clubhouse there and a lot of things, uh, just stand by. A lot of great things are coming at Macklemore. But for me, it's, it's amazing that Lookout Mountain runs about 40 miles north to south. The, the tip end of it, the, northernmost end gets into Tennessee a little bit. Good bit of it's in Georgia, good bit of it's in Alabama, and it runs pretty much right down the Alabama state line. Um and and um so it's you know, parts of it are Georgia, parts of it are Tennessee, and parts of it are Alabama. And I've driven by that mountain literally thousands of times and and had no idea that it was that beautiful. Up on top, away from Rock City and all of the things that, that people uh, go there for for tourist reasons. And it it just feels like a, the last great place in the southeast. It's undiscovered, and being two hours from Birmingham, two hours from Nashville, and 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 a little less actually, two hours from Atlanta. 
And I, it's like, are you kidding? This has been here all this time, and, and I've been by it, and I didn't even know that it was here. And, and so every time I go up and spend time on the property or the surrounding areas, I find find something else to, to fall in love with, from the hiking and the biking and the trails and the waterfalls and just uh, sitting on some of these old ancient rock that we have, not even rocks, I'll call boulders. Um, it, it's just an amazing place and, and it's right in the middle of everything. And, and, uh, folks are going to discover more and more about it and, as we move along, but it, it's, it's really neat right now. But again, there's some great things that are going to be happening in, in Macklemore up on Lookout Mountain real soon. And we can't wait to, um, help people discover, uh, Macklemore, get up there and spend a little time up there because just like me, I think people are going to fall in love with it. And Charlie, as you mentioned, you're an ambassador for Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Talk about some of the courses that should be on our bucket list for those of us here in the Southeast that know that it's there and we know there's a lot of golf courses there. What are some that we really well, got to go play? Well, when you, when you come to Myrtle Beach, what I tell people, you go to playgolfmyrtlebeach.com and, and that's really helpful because we have so many golf courses. We're basically from Georgetown, South Carolina up to maybe about 10 miles in, into North Carolina. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of communities in that, in that 70 mile run. I, I sort of refer to the whole area as Myrtle Beach. Some of the locals like me get a little upset. Well, we're, we're Myrtle's Inlet or we're, we're North Myrtle Beach or we're Surfside Beach. Well, if you're not from around here, it's all Myrtle Beach. And, and, uh, there's basically, uh, 78 golf courses in, in that 70 mile. Uh, run and and the, the real key is if you're coming over to play, you you need to pick the golf courses that are close to where you're staying. And and so if if you're gonna if you're gonna stay down south, you need to play down south. So you know in, in that area you you'd want to look at, at True Blue and Caledonia, Paulies and 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 uh, TPC Myrtle Beach. If you're going more towards the middle, uh, you, you'd look. Uh, um, you would look Dunes Club is is sort of our it's not our granddaddy Pine Lakes is our granddaddy but Dunes Club is one that's is our our um, most pedigreed golf course in the area and and if you um, uh, Grand Dunes also is is more in the middle and then if you're heading up north you'd want to look at uh, Barefoot Resort which is an amazing place with uh, 72 holes and and tide water is also beautiful but we also got a lot of little hidden gems in there that you have to just sort of look at but if you're booking to play the golf courses down south and you're staying up north you're going to have an hour commute and that's what i don't want people to do i, I want to make sure people have a great experience so uh, make make sure you understand the, the geography a little bit and, and where the golf courses are and try and stay near where you play and if you do that you're guaranteed to have a have a great uh vacation We've got uh, wonderful places to eat got a lot of live music and uh, so much going on, but please, if you're coming, do do some planning ahead of time. We've got a lot of folks out playing golf right now, which is wonderful for the game. But but don't try to book for next weekend. If you're trying to book for next weekend right now, you're a little late. In fact, if you want to come in the in the spring of of 2022, you better go ahead and get online right now because if you wait much longer, it's going to be really hard to get the accommodations that you want, and the golf courses that you want, and and we, we've just got so many folks coming here to play golf and golf courses are in great shape. We're getting a ton of play and, and the golf courses are 
reinvesting some money and, and, and the golf courses are making them even nicer. And, and so it's a great time to, to come to Myrtle Beach right now. Charlie, how can our listeners stay up to date with you and check out your show and then follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Well, I appreciate the question. You can always go over to playgolfmyrtlebeach.com. There's a lot of links to what I'm doing and what's going on at Myrtle Beach. Uh, we also have a lot of information over at charlierimer.com as well. And uh, the big thing is, is make sure you, the watcher, set your DVR for uh, Charlie Reimer Golf Show uh, Monday nights on CBS Sports Network at 8 p.m. That's Eastern time. But I think they run it again uh, a little bit later, so it's also at, uh, 8 p.m. on the uh, West Coast as well. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a hoot having you here. You always make this segment so much fun. I can't thank you enough for doing it. I appreciate it, Chris. Make sure you talk to the folks over there at Squares and get them to make some size 15 shoes. I want to try them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that for you. I promise you, my friend. Stay safe. All the best all right, to you and your family. Look forward to catching up soon. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Take care. See you, Charlie. That's a great Charlie Reimer. And again, folks, his show, the Charlie Reimer Golf Show, is probably the most fun golf show that you'll ever watch. Charlie, like he said it during the course of the conversation, he makes the interview just so sort of informal and fun. It's, uh, and he's got great guests. So every time you watch it, you're going to smile. You're going to laugh. You're going to learn a little something about the guests, learn a little something about golf. He just does such an outstanding job. I can't uh, thank him enough for coming back and be a part of the show. Hopefully we're privileged enough to, uh, to get him back again soon. Okay, before I close up shop tonight, I want to remind you again, like we talked about earlier in the show with Allison Fillmore, tickets are on sale right now for the Tour Championship at Eastlake here in Atlanta. The tournament will be held September 2nd through the 5th. Eastlake, folks, is one of the most prestigious and beautiful golf courses in the country. If you've never been to the tournament, you're going to be wowed by the course, the amenities, and how well you're treated there. Go online to tourchampionship.com and get your tickets. To watch the top 30 players on tour this season decide who will be the FedEx Cup champion and who walks away with the $15 million first place check. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again go out to Tom Patrick, Allison Fillmore, Nick Bradley, and Charlie Reimer for making the show so much fun tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next week are former PGA Tour player Tim Simpson will be back on the show. Tim is always fantastic. As is PGA Tour caddy and another great friend of the show, Kip Henley. Paul Stankowski's brother Tom will be making his Next on the Tee debut. Tom is a great player as well. Really looking forward to having him as part of the show. And then we're going to round it out with Hall of Famer Dennis Walters. And folks, if you're not familiar with Dennis Walters' story, Please go look it up online. It's a really inspirational one. Really looking forward to having him as part of this show. So it's going to be a good one. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites and apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podcast.co. If you've got a favorite podcasting app, I'm sure we're on it. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I can't tell you how much it means that you have Next on the Tee as a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.